Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are bringing our Insta Christmas series to its conclusion as our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew, preaches on Jesus being presented at the temple and the reaction to that by Simeon. Just a quick reminder that you can get the entirety of our Insta Christmas series on our website, which is ccgf.org, or on the Christchurch app, which is available on Android and Apple devices. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, Christchurch. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Um, today, when Barry said this is the last Sunday of the year, it just kind of surprised, like, it's gone. All right, that's cool. I didn't realize it. Kind of caught me off guard. Um, but listen, have you ever had one of those moments in your life where um, you're doing something and all of a sudden you get that gut feeling like maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe I should go do this or like every time we leave the house, my wife gets this gut feeling that, hey, did I unplug the curling iron? And then, you know, as we're sitting in the car, she then sends me to go and to look to, or my son to see if the curling iron has been unplugged. And, and of course it hasn't been and she's laid paper across it. And so it was good that we went back in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That didn't really happen. It does, actually. But anyway. Amen, Brandon? My son says amen. All right. So we have these moments in our life where where we have these gut checks. How many of you guys have had them? Where you're driving along the road and you see someone on the side of the road and they're broke down and as you play through all the ways that they're going to murder you in their head as, as you drive past, you get that feeling in your stomach like, maybe I should stop. And what's amazing is those moments when we do stop or we do take a moment, it's pretty amazing how God has something for those moments. Anybody ever had that experience where you stopped and you were interrupted or you went a different way and God was really speaking to you and telling you to not run that yellow light as the semi-truck comes flying through, right? We've had those moments. Life changes quickly. You know, and we're in a series called Insta Christmas. Everything happens in an instant. And for a lot of you, that has been the job change. It has been the loss of a loved one. It has been, hey, we're having a baby. To whatever it may be, our lives will be heading in one direction in a blink of an eye. Everything can change. And so we've been studying uh, these different people around the time of Jesus who've had these encounters with God that have caused their voices to cry out in worship, prayer, prophecy, and song for God. We studied Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and how even when he's old and his wife, who was really old, they still had a baby because God promised them a baby. We've studied the life of Mary and Joseph a little bit and how God came to this virgin and gave her a child and he was kind of a big deal. The whole savior of the world thing, you know. Then we heard about some shepherds, these knuckleheads who, according to society standards, are lesser than men. But yet the angels decided to make their announcement to broken people. To this week, when we're looking at the life of a man named Simeon, who is just a guy waiting on God. So I ask you, are you listening to God? Are you waiting on God in your life? Or are you so busy about your own plans that you're missing Him? So many of us make the statement that God never answers my prayers. And I always challenge that. And I ask this simple question. 
Is it that God's not answering your prayers or is it that you're not listening? Or is it that maybe you don't even have a relationship with him and you don't know how to hear him? Because there's a lot that goes with that. So Father, we love you. God, we pray that this morning you would speak to us in exactly the way you need us to hear you. For these are your words, not mine, and this is your message, not mine. You've simply given me the privilege of sharing this with my brothers and sisters this morning. And so, God, as we dive through this story, convict our hearts. Give us ears to hear what it is you have to say. Because you are a God who fulfills your promises. You are a God that speaks to us in those gut checks. And as we call them gut checks, or we get those feelings, it really is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so, Father, thank you for speaking to us. And whatever's preoccupying our mind right now, Take it away and let us hear what you have to say. All God's people said, amen. Well, good. So we'll find ourselves back in the book of Luke. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 32, really a little bit more than that. But where we find ourselves, if you were here, you know this already, but I'm going to bring everybody up to speed, is for the last 400 years, God has sat silent. He has not been speaking to the people of Israel. Um, He's been preparing something. And so now for about the past month, there's been rumors spreading around all of Israel that, that maybe this salvation has come, that Emmanuel may have come to earth. There's rumors of these guys, these magi from the east who are wandering around Jerusalem looking for this this savior of the Jews. And, And the strange things are kind of afoot at the Circle K, so to speak. Those that laughed, I appreciate that. It's a little inside joke. But strange things are happening in Israel because people are hearing from, from God. These shepherds, or these shepherds of all people, are out in the field and they're saying that angels appeared to them, singing glory to God in the highest. 400 years we've waited for God to restore and redeem Israel. And now in my lifetime, you're telling me that God is speaking. Imagine what it would have been like to be in that day. Imagine what it would have been like to live in this time period. Surely God spoke to Zechariah. Surely God spoke to Mary. Surely God spoke to the shepherds. For the last 400 years, he's been silent. But now, the rumor is, God is with us again. This is an immoral time. This is a broken time. Darkness is really consuming Israel. But yet there are still people in the nation of Israel who are holding out hope. Zechariah was one. Mary was one. And now we come to this person named Simeon and and another person named Anna. We don't know what uh, Simeon did for a living. What we do know in Scripture tells us that he was at the temple of God, that he was a devout man, that he loved God. And and so what happens is, is you have this account with Simeon where he hears from the Holy Spirit And being old in age himself, God says, Simeon, you will not die before you see salvation come to the people of Israel. And here's Simeon. Who am I that God would speak to me? The last 400 years he's been quiet. He's got to be thinking in his mind, I'm going crazy. Is that really God speaking to me or am I just hearing things? Have you ever heard God speak to you? And you ask the question, is that God or is that just me? Listen, God speaks to those who listen. 
And so we find ourselves in this incredible story where it says this in verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Now, what that is, we'll just stop there for a moment, a little history lesson. When a, when a Hebrew woman gave birth to a child, there was a cleansing process of 40 days. So really what we're looking at is we're looking at a one-month-old Jesus at this point. Okay, so 40 days have gone by. And so now Mary and Joseph are going to go to the temple to dedicate the Lord, uh, the Lord to the Lord. <laughs> That's what's happening. They're going to dedicate the baby Jesus. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a cleansing sacrifice which is made. Now, traditionally speaking, in the temple, the cleansing sacrifice would actually be a lamb and it would be a dove. But in the case of poverty or poor folks, it was acceptable for you to bring two doves. And so when the scripture mentions that there were two doves brought as the cleansing sacrifice, that's very symbolic of the fact that Mary and Joseph are coming from a poor place. They're not wealthy. They come from a place like you and me. They've started down in the dirt, and they've been working their way up. And so they bring this sacrifice to the temple, and it says that they took uh, him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting on the consolation uh, or, the, or the reconciliation, the bringing of peace to Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Have you ever, been, have you ever had a promise made to you that was so epic that in your heart and in your mind you're thinking, there's no way this is actually going to happen. And we say the words, I'll believe it when I see it, Right? Anybody ever had that promise made to them? Anybody ever had that promise broken to them? That hurts. When we think of broken promises, instantaneously there's a moment that jumps into our heart and our mind, isn't there? For a lot of us, it's a moment when we were a child and either a parent or a loved one promised something to us, like a trip to the zoo, that never happened. It's silly, but that's a scar I bear when I think of broken promises. So there's been promises. And when a promise is broken to us as people, it makes us feel or conveys the message to us that we're not significant, that we don't matter, doesn't it? That's how we feel when a promise is broken. And so for 400 years, the people of Israel have been counting on the hope and the promise that one day God would restore them. And now in this moment, here's Simeon wondering, will I die before I see God's promise fulfilled? And God speaks to him through the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit is not a the. The Holy Spirit is not some wispy ghost we see in movies. The Holy Spirit is a person of God. He is a person of God. And the Holy Spirit is with us and will speak to you. And in this moment, Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon, saying, you will see the Lord's Messiah. So in that moment, Simeon, he, he, he must have been excited. He must have been exuberant. But it, then it says this. He's in the temple still. It says, moved by the Spirit. He had that gut check moment where God was saying, maybe you should go into the other room. Maybe you should get up from the sanctuary and go out into the commons area because i got a surprise for you. He just had that feeling like he left the curling iron on. You know? That is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, by the way, church. 
moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So Simeon comes into the temple courts, and as he enters into the temple courts, around the corner comes this really young mother and and her husband, and there's this baby. And when he sees the baby, I don't know if this took place like a creepy old man at a grocery store who comes up and touches a mom's belly, and he grabs the child. Or if it was this divine epic appointment, which I'm sure it was, and as soon as Mary and Joseph see Simeon come around the corner, they recognize there's something special about their kid. In a very Lion King-like moment, Simeon grabs the baby and holds him up. And there's Simeon with salvation in his hands. Think about that. Within your hands is the gospel. Within your hand, Simeon, you are holding God. Was he heavy? Was there weight to that? Did he smell like baby powder? What was that moment like for Simeon? And as his heart is seeing this promise being fulfilled by God, he cries out, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised... You may now dismiss your servant in peace. You can kill me now, God, because this is as good as it gets. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. So like Zechariah, like the shepherds, like the angels, like Mary and Joseph, when salvation was in the hands of, of Simeon, all he could do, was praise God. When salvation comes to you, church, it changes you. It fulfills you. It satisfies you. And whether you've been waiting for 400 years or two minutes, God brings completeness to your soul. Maybe you're out there this morning and you feel that void in your life, that emptiness. Listen to me. Stop trying to fill it with everything else. Wait on God. Because Christ came to this earth to fulfill that void. And that's the promise that is kept here this morning. So when we look at this passage of scripture, we see Jesus being presented at the temple. It continues on by saying that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that he will be spoken against, so that, those, uh, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So you've got this incredibly beautiful moment of praises and singing and he is salvation. And oh, by the way, he's going to cause a lot of people to stumble and fall. He's going to divide the nation and it's going to be like a sword in your side. Thanks a lot. Feels like the ending of Empire Strikes Back and the bad guys just won. Thank you very much. But that's not what's happening here. Because you see in this moment, as Simeon's finalizing this interaction here, he's prophesying about what the life of Christ will look like. And so in order for us to really glean and and, and pull out of this passage, I want to break it down into three sections for us this morning. And and when we look at this this Jesus being presented at the temple, it really breaks down into three kind of key areas. And the first area that it breaks down into is it shows us and it helps us to recognize that Simeon treasured a godly life. 
And Simeon wanted to hear from God. And so wanting to hear from God, Simeon committed his life to God. Simeon waited on God. He, it says in the word that he lived a righteous life. It says that he lived a devoted life. And he wait, lived a life of waiting on God. And so I ask you the question, if God's not answering your prayers, are you living a devoted life? Are you living a life that is righteous? Are you living in such a way that you're listening for God, not just the only one talking in the conversation. Because listen, God wants to speak to you. And I want to make something very clear right now. Your salvation does not depend on you, praise God, because we're all in trouble, right? It depends on the fact that God loves you so much that he came down from his place in heaven and he offered his body as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. You can't be bad enough and you can't be good enough to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God that comes from him and him alone. But when we're in a relationship with somebody, nobody wants to be in a relationship where there's no communication, where there's no interaction. And God desires a relationship with you. Salvation has come because of what Jesus did. But God wants a relationship with you. Don't complain to me about God not answering your prayers if you haven't sat down for a meal with them in a while. You think you're crying out to God, but you're like going up to a woman on the street and saying, hey, ma'am, can you bake me a pie? She's going to look at you and say, I don't know you. You don't know me. Be in relationship with God. It doesn't get you stuff. But I promise you this, God is always listening to what you have to say. The question is, are you listening to what he's saying? As we look at this, we find that Simeon treasured a godly life, a life devoted to God. He was the model of godliness in that day. And treasuring of God and treasuring of, of, of the Holy Spirit and of the Christ to come and holding on to that hope that he knew that God promised, that's what allowed Simeon to be in tune with God to hold, hear the Holy Spirit and to hold salvation in his hands. So I ask you the question again. Do you treasure a godly life? The next thing that we look at is in verse 29 through 32, we see this breakdown in, in Simeon's praise. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you can dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen salvation. The second thing we look at is Simeon looked at the gospel message as something beautiful. He looked at the gospel message for the truth of the fact that the gospel is fulfillment of who we are. He said, I can die now because my life cannot get any better because in my hands I have salvation. Not because it has been, been something I created, but because it was a gift given to me. And he looks at salvation as something beautiful, as something sacred, as something holy. And so we're reminded in this passage, as it says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that salvation is the hope of God. Salvation is the hope that there can be healing from your mistakes and from your sins and from your brokenness. I don't care what you have done. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how you think you screwed your life up so bad you can never be made right. Listen to me. God can restore you. 
God can make you well. He can make you right. He can heal that marriage. He can heal that addiction. He can heal that sickness if it is his will. But God desires to be in relationship with you, and he sent Jesus Christ to this earth not because he had to, but because he loved you. Christ came to this earth and willingly laid down his life because he desires a relationship with you. He doesn't want us to be a plaque on your wall in your kitchen. He doesn't want that to be the extent of your relationship. He doesn't want the only time you talk when you're traveling and eating food. He wants you to pray and be intentional about a life with him. The gospel brings us hope, the hope that we do not have to pay for the sins that we've committed. We don't deserve that. We deserve death. But God loves us so much that he sent his son to this place to redeem it. Listen to me. The good news this morning is that whatever brokenness you're living in, whatever slavery you're living in, you can put those chains down because Christ came to abolish that, to set you free. The gospel brings hope. The second thing we see is that the gospel is rooted in God's faithfulness, not yours. You're a train wreck. So am I. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. We're awful. (laughs) It doesn't matter about what you do. It matters what God did. And listen to me. God does not love you how you are. Listen to me. Our culture and our society perpetrates the lie that you're okay. God loves you the way you are. Listen, if God loved you the way you are, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die to make you to what he wants you to be. God doesn't love where you are. He accepts you and, and will meet you where you are. But he wants you to become who he created you to be. He wants you to rise to be like the man, the woman that he's called you to. The gospel is rooted in God's faithfulness, not in your faithfulness. I actually had someone say to me this week who's embracing a life of sin. They said, well, you know what? God loves me how I am. Everybody's told me that. And when I get to heaven, I'll take it to the throne of grace and say, sorry then. And I look at that and I say, that is not how the gospel works. Christ came to die for your sins now. You don't live a life of debauchery and sin and then go to heaven and say, ah, God's got it. Listen to me. The price of sin was not a light price. When Christ died on that cross and stretched his arms out and poured out his blood, the forgiveness of your sins was a tremendously expensive thing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls that mentality cheap grace. Do we just keep on sinning so that we can come closer to God, as some use the excuse? Paul says, no way. We don't simply write checks of sin and cash them in, knowing that God will forgive them. Does that really exemplify love of God to you? It is hateful. It is sinful to tell people that they're okay how they are. Do you hear me? Don't buy into that lie, because if we're okay how we are, Easter's dumb. It makes no sense. We need a Savior because we're not okay. We're the shattered images of God who need put back together. We are not God. And so the gospel is rooted in God's faithfulness, not ours. We're broken. The gospel is global, and boy, I'm about to get mad. 
The gospel is global. There's this beautiful moment. I'm not mad. I'm excited. That's what it is. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Now listen, Simeon's standing in the temple of God. One of the things you don't talk about in the temple of God is the Gentiles. Because they don't belong to God. They're not the people of God. They aren't even allowed to say the word Yahweh. We're not allowed to say the word Yahweh. No one should talk about it. No one should say it, especially the Gentiles. Now listen to me. Unless you're a Jewish man or woman in here today, you're a Gentile. Okay, welcome to the Gentili. We are not the people of Israel. We are not Jews. So guess what? We're second in the party now anyway. We're the adopted children of God. And when Simeon proclaims this, he's prophesied saying, Christ did not just come for the Jews. He didn't come just for the reconciliation of Israel. He came for the reconciliation of all mankind. Praise God, because I need it. We are being reconciled because of what God has done. Listen to me. I heard a conversation this week, and I hear it from time to time, and I'm going to call it out, and it's the dumbest conversation I ever heard. People arguing, was Jesus a white man? Just stop. That is ridiculous. Are you going to die and go to heaven and be disappointed if Christ is black? Are you serious? We're going to dwell in heaven, and you're going to be disappointed if Christ is an Asian man? It doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture that we should divide one another based on our language, by our social status. He says Jew, Gentile, to all the nations. The Word of God is for everybody, no matter how poor, rich, ugly, dumb, smart, colorful, not colorful, whatever you may be, it is for all men. And when we try to proclaim who should hear the gospel, we're playing God. And that's not a promotion that you're getting anytime soon. The gospel message is global. We're to go to all nations and teach them to obey the commands of God. That means those people groups that you don't like, guess what? God loves them. The conversation of, is Jesus a white man? That's dumb. He's Arab. He's from a region of the world. Give me a break. So if you've got a problem with Arabs, take it up with him. The gospel is rooted in God's faithfulness. It brings us hope, and it's for everybody. And listen, I'm joking about that in a frustrated way, but if you're struggling in your heart with issues that deal with race or ethnicity, please come talk to me, because that struggle's real. But God doesn't desire that for us. We're going to spend eternity with one another one day. We better figure out how to get along now, right? The gospel as we see in this passage, is also glorious news. It's not just good news. It's glorious news because the message is for everybody and we're second to the party. If you're a Jew in here, congratulations, you're first, all right? Great. But we're second to the party and it's glorious news because we no longer have to live as slaves to the bondage that holds us down, that separates us from God. The light of the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to the people of Israel, this is absolutely glorious news. We are no longer strangers in the land, but together, because of what Christ has done, we are citizens of the same place. It's global. It's glorious. It's on his faithfulness. And the gospel brings us hope. There stood Simeon with salvation in his hands. And in that moment, do you know what Simeon did? He opened his mouth and he talked about it. And there are you 
with Christ, with salvation in your heart. But we remain silent. Do you know God's calling us to tell the story? If somebody saves your life, you talk about that. And Christ, at a great cost, rescued you from brokenness and sin. And you have a responsibility to tell people, hey, listen, you don't have to live in that brokenness. You don't have to live in that awfulness. There is a better way. And as believers, we have a responsibility to talk about the gospel. But listen to me. When we share the gospel message, it's intimidating, isn't it? It's scary because we don't necessarily have the words or we maybe don't know what to say. But that's what we learn from Simeon. We learn from Simeon as he goes down and he kind of ruins the song at the end there when he says, hey, by the way, this is going to be a sword in your side. Jesus is going to cause people to stumble. Do you know who he's going to cause to stumble? He's going to cause the people who stumble who, who reject him. Because morality and righteousness and goodness are going to be a stumbling block for those who embrace and love sin. Jesus is going to divide the kingdom because not all of the people of Israel are going to believe that he's the Messiah. He brought division to the kingdom. But he's the only thing that could conquer the Roman Empire. Interesting, isn't it? So we look at this and we see that the cost of following Christ is great. We see that the cost of following Christ is significant. The child's mother and father marveled at what was said about them. Simeon blessed them and said, Mary, his mother, the child, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that he will be spoken against. People will speak against Jesus. And listen to me, when they reject Christ, when you share him with them, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel message. It's not about you. You just get to be a part of the story, right? So it continues to say that, and the sword will pierce your own soul. And think about what it must have been like for Mary to hold the baby Jesus in her hands, but then to wash his blood as he's been whipped and battered. To sit there as they crucified God in front of her. As a mother, think about the heartache of seeing your child die. I remember when my son was born. I, this moment is so vivid, I can still see it. He, I mean, he looked like an alien rat baby. <laughs> but he was beautiful, I have to say. Sorry, Brian. And I remember the doctors took him and they put him on this little, look, I thought it was a microwave, I don't know what it was. And I'm looking at him, and, I'm, and, and for the first time in my life, I experienced the love of God in a way that I never had ever. Because for the first time, I had a son. And I looked at him. And you're all lucky I'm not God, because you'd be in trouble, because I couldn't do it. I couldn't sacrifice my kid, and I thought, God must have loved me so much. But the cost of God laying down the life of his own son, it costs so much. He did that for you. He did that for me. With your name in his mind, Christ went to the cross and laid down his life so that you could be forgiven of sins. The cost of following the gospel, it's going to cost you everything because it's a great cause. When we follow Christ, nowhere does it say that following the gospel will be easy or being a person committed to God. Nowhere does it say in Scripture that it's going to be easy, but everywhere in Scripture does it say it's going to be good. 
Everywhere in Scripture does it say that God is going to use you to do incredible things, that God is going to liberate you, and that one day you will dwell in a house with Him forever. God asks all of us, because the cost of following Him is expensive, to lay down our rights, to lay down our brokenness, our burdens, and to be about loving Him. And by loving Him, He means for us to love one another. So when we look at Simeon in the temple, as the band comes here, we see a man who was committed to God. We see a man who waited on God. And as we look at Simeon, he's old in his age. His whole life, he's been waiting for this moment. This moment where salvation is his hand is this epic culmination of everything he ever believed, everything he ever lived for. And the question I have for you is, what is that epic moment that God has set up for you? And are you going to listen when he says, go out into the foyer because I have a surprise? Are you going to be in tune with God in such a way that you're going to hear him calling you or will you miss it? Because if you remember, Zechariah almost missed it. God still included him and used him. God wants to have a relationship with you. The gift at Easter, the reason we give gifts is because God gave the ultimate gift. The sacrifice that would forgive all. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to try harder. You just have to be willing to receive it. And follow him. Church, will you share that message with me? Would you share that message as we go out to people in your neighborhoods? Would you share that message? Would you let your mouth open and a song come out about the awesomeness of God? Because that's what God desires from you. That's what he desired from Simeon. And in a moment, there's a a prophetess in the temple. Her name's Anna. It says she was old. And she never left the temple, committed to God. She stayed there waiting for the consolation of Israel. And she too got to see the baby Jesus. So in this story, we see young, we see old, we see men, we see women, we see all people. The gospel is for everyone. The truth will set us free. So are you listening? Father, we love you. We praise you, God, that you do speak to us. And Lord, as your still small voice reaches out to each and to every one of us, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you're trying to say. Because God, you desire to rescue us. You desire to set us free from the bondage of brokenness. And you desire a relationship with us. So God, speak to us. And as we handle salvation in our hands, that gospel message, may we sing songs of praise and may we share it with the people around us. Amen.